So my, my name is Zach, and this is my wife of 18 years, Kim. Um, we're excited to get to share our story with you guys. So Zach and I met on my 19th birthday at church. I know, pretty exciting, uh, but it gets better. So we thought we'd start our story um, with our first date. Um, we were real creative and did the usual movies and dinner. But towards the end of, end of dinner, um, we ran into Zach's previous girlfriend of three years. I had plans already to head to the mall after dinner, and she seemed pretty cool. So I asked her if she wanted to come along, and of course she did. So she hopped in the car, we dropped him off at home, and we headed to the mall. And we've been close friends ever since, which is, I think, proof that God has a sense of humor. Um, she was a bridesmaid in our wedding. She caught the bouquet. And she plays a pretty significant part of our story here in a minute. Uh, so before we get into our story together, we'd like to tell you a little bit about our, our history. So my parents were divorced by the time I was four years old. And my parents have been married for 48 years. My mom and I moved around for a few years before my mom married my stepdad, who had two sons. And I moved once from Denver, Colorado, um, a.k.a. heaven, um, to Sherman, Texas, which for the record, I think was probably the most traumatic thing that happened to me as a child. <laughs> Overall, my um, childhood was full of happy memories of snow forts, vacations, um, Bronco games, dreams of marrying John Elway. Yeah. Uh, once, once my mom had remarried, I had a largely normal childhood as well and lived out in the country. I ran around in creek beds, camped out, had BB gun wars, fished, set things on fire, um, typical things country kids did. So I was raised in the church and baptized when I was eight, but it wasn't until my junior year in high school that I realized the difference between religion and a relationship with Jesus. Before that, my view of God was really based on what I said and what I did rather than getting to know him the way that I would get to know a friend um, by spending time with him daily, praying and reading his word. Uh, church or religion was never a part of my family. I began to experiment with drugs and alcohol in about the eighth grade. Uh, by, by high school, I drank and smoked pot on a regular basis and used various other drugs. Uh, when I was 15, a friend introduced me to Jesus, but it was two years before I started really trying to follow Jesus. After Zach and I met, we became fast friends and began, began dating shortly thereafter. We began talking about marriage very early on, and after seeking a lot of wise counsel... And completely ignoring it. It's true. We married at the age of 20, still in college. Oh, and that's his ex-girlfriend right behind him. Um, I told you I wasn't lying. Uh, we were working minimum wage jobs. Um, but after, after knowing each other for only a year and a half... We, we were so in love, we knew everything would just be perfect. Yeah. Um, obviously, we had no idea what we had signed up for. Uh, I played music in a rock band, and I really believed that I was going to be a rock star. Um, thanks for that. Um, I, I allowed this dream to dictate a lot of the decisions I would make for my family, including where we lived, jobs that I would take, and how we'd spend our time and money. So it didn't take long for me to begin to hate some of the very things that attracted me to Zach in the first place. His laid-back, freestyle nature quickly became lazy and immature in my mind. Because I found security in education, when he refused to return to college after we took a semester off to get married, I laid one of my first bricks of resentment. 
Even though we were barely making ends meet, he refused to take a job that might interfere with his band. So I added another brick after brick. Even though I was frustrated, I still tried to support Zach and his passion. I was at almost every show, and I even agreed to get him a new guitar, even though we really needed a new washing machine. And, yeah, I I want to insert that I don't doubt what she just said, but I honestly don't remember it. So that probably says enough. So on the other hand, I was really passionate about orphan care, especially in Russia. But I never felt that Zach reciprocated my support or supported my passion. So two years in a row, I prepared for and made trips to Russia by myself and worked with orphans. Even though I tried to talk to Zach about things like that that bothered me, it never seemed to make a difference. So every time I felt dismissed, ignored, or lied to, I continued to lay brick after brick. For me, uh, I thought things were great. Uh, The few times that Kim came to me to try to discuss how she felt, I invalidated her feelings, so she stopped coming to me with concerns or confronting me with issues, uh, which further fostered my blindness to the fact that our marriage was heading for trouble. Um, During conflict, I never wanted to be understood, nor did I ever attempt to understand her. I just wanted to win. And because I had thought I won our conflicts, as far as I knew, everything was great. Um, As an example of my selfishness, two days after our son, Jonathan, was born six weeks premature... Over Mother's Day weekend... I chose to attend band rehearsal, leaving Kim alone at the hospital with him when his heart rate dropped and he had to be hooked up to machines and all that. That one got a lot of bricks. Yeah. Um, I was completely oblivious of the hurt this kind of stuff caused Kim. So by our sixth year of marriage, our son was three, and Zach was leading worship at our little church. I was in my last year of undergrad for a degree in social work with plans to enter the adoption and foster care field. After years of laying brick after brick of resentment, I had built a wall, unknowingly. But it wasn't just between me and Zach, but me and the Lord as well. At the time, I had no idea the effects or power of resentment. But it wasn't long before we realized it. We had recently made some new friends, and after a short while, the husband would occasionally make flirtatious comments to me, which I found flattering. Eventually, he and I began talking on the phone exclusively, and then we began a physical relationship that lasted for five months. Luke 12, 22 says that everything that's hidden will be shown, and everything that's secret will be made known. One night while I was out with my closest friend, Zach's ex-girlfriend, I mentioned, that I mentioned earlier, I let slip the nature of my relationship with the other man. She didn't really know what to say at the time, but after a few days, she called and told me that she had been physically sick because she knew what she needed to tell me, and she was afraid it would end our friendship, but she told me anyways. Proverbs 27.6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So our, our friend insisted that I end my relationship with the other man and speak with a pastor immediately, or she would tell Zach herself. So I begrudgingly made an appointment to speak with a pastor who encouraged me to confess immediately. So the next night, after we put our son to bed, I confessed my affair to Zach. That was July 7th, 12 years ago, that I had my bags packed and was sure my marriage was over. And of course, that was absolutely the worst day of my life. Um, But God quickly showed me that I was not at all guiltless. I struggled with pornography throughout our marriage. So I confess that I continued looking at it throughout our marriage. 
So I knew that if we had any hope of surviving this, that we'd need all the support and help we could get. So I picked up the phone that night, and one by one, I began calling our closest friends and our pastor and confessed my actions and sought their forgiveness. Um, the next morning, my best friend took off work and drove an hour to be with me while Kim was, was at school. Um, he left once Kim got home, and our pastor and the pastor Kim met with, and another friend from our church showed up. Uh, and this really began the, forming the foundation of what we need going forward as we begin the process of healing, and that was community. Um, our healing and progress would have taken a lot longer without it. I wish I could tell you that I immediately ran to God and sought his forgiveness and healing. But to be honest, I was paralyzed with guilt and shame. It was months before I brought myself to, um, could bring myself to utter even a word in prayer. I needed to be reminded of the truth like Romans 8.8 8, that says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And for me, it would take a few years before I could even go a day uh, without thinking about the affair and without being fearful that it would happen again. Um, I finally came to a point where I could see evidence of Kim walking with Jesus and where I could finally say with confidence that she did love me and wanted to serve God. Um, God also began showing me that I didn't need her. I needed him. And I finally began to draw the circle around myself and work on myself and trust that the Lord was um, taking care of Kim. So within a year or so, we moved to Dallas and began attending Watermark, and we joined a community group a group of friends who are intentional about living out Hebrews 10.24, spurring each other on towards love and good deeds. They encouraged me to let go of the leadership role I had taken in our marriage and held on to so tightly. In fact, we were recently able to share with a couple of our friends from this community that they changed the trajectory of our family and at least three kids' lives when they encouraged Zach to leave his band of 13 years and to begin leading our family. You see, things came full circle in June of 2009 when we received our first foster child, a six-year-old girl, Tatiana, and we were able to adopt her in January of 2011. In October 2010, we got a 13-year-old boy, David, who we adopted in April of 2011, and then that same year in August, we accepted our third foster child who was with us for six months. And things seemed to be going uh, well with all the changes in our family for a while, at least. Um, the period after Kim confessed the affair was the most difficult in my life, in our marriage, but the next chapter in our life was, was definitely the most difficult time for our family as a whole. Um, our oldest son, David, was making choices that were harmful to him and others and had a constant attitude of disrespect toward Kim, which created an atmosphere of almost constant conflict in our home as I defended her. Um, in April 2012, some of the choices our oldest son had been making uh, resulted in legal consequences, and we had to drive him to the police station to be arrested. Together, Kim and I made the decision not to try and stand in the way of his consequences. Because God carried us through the fight for our marriage, we trusted that the Lord had a plan and knew that he would carry us through the fight for our son. Romans 13.1 says that all governments have been placed in power by God. So he, so the judges that he allowed to be in office, to the attorneys he appointed, to the counselors he chose, we knew that the Lord was in control of every single detail. But it wasn't easy. I remember telling my closest friend through sobbing tears that I keep having the worst day of my life because each day during this season seemed to hold something even more devastating than the day before. As I felt like I was sinking through tears of her own, she supported me and faithfully reminded me of truth. 
Together, we've seen our son be unsuccessfully discharged from one outpatient and one inpatient program for not participating. He successfully completed a second inpatient program but violated probation eight weeks later and was back in juvie. He eventually completed his third inpatient uh, program and we were able to bring him home as a Christmas surprise this past Christmas Eve, just in time for the service here at Watermark. Um, together, we've reminded our son of our love for him, his forever place in our family, and most importantly, of God's love for him. Uh, we've driven all over Texas for visitations, counseling sessions, and whatever else to show our commitment and love for him. Together, we've prayed for him and for his heart to be changed and healed. Although we never know what the future holds, we do know that God is and will continue to be faithful and sovereign. Since he's been home, he's gotten a job. With, he got a job within two weeks. He rejoined his small group. He attends Bible study every single Monday morning and will begin his second semester of college this fall. Through everything we've gone through the past few years, God has been faithful. And I want to point out when we sit together, uh, we don't mean just Kim and me. Uh, on the inside of our wedding bands, we have Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. And in a nutshell, the verse says that two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Uh, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We, even as a couple, really have no hope to love our son, our other kids, each other, or anyone the way they need to be loved without that third cord, and that's Jesus. So a verse that's carried my heart through the ups and downs of the past four years as our family has grown, shrunk, and changed is Isaiah 55, 8 through 12, which says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then my favorite part is verses 10 and 11 that talk about how not even a single drop of rain hits the ground without, hitting, without fulfilling it, the purpose that God intended. And then verse 12 assures us of both joy and peace. And as we wrap up, we'd like to share a few thoughts with you, especially um, why I believe the steps we took after Kim's affair uh, saved our marriage because the biggest truth we've come to know is that neither the affair or my porn addiction were the things. They, um, they were symptoms of, of deeper issues. Uh, we've identified a few things that have made a big difference in the past 12 years in our marriage and family. The first one is community. I mentioned that earlier, but um, this was absolutely instrumental in helping me start to lead my family in a godly way, in a way that Kim would want to follow. The guys in our group pushed me, albeit uncomfortably, to be transparent, to reject passivity, and to love Kim the way Christ loved the church. They taught me that leading our family starts with initiating, initiating prayer, devotional, spiritual conversations, seizing those teach teachable moments and not just letting them pass by. Um, the, our community is for us and for our marriage, as Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, to sharpen us as iron sharpens iron. So another thing that made a big difference was our commitment to work through conflict. The way that looked for us, especially in the beginning, was tabling anything that wasn't being resolved in a healthy way until after our son was in bed, then just sitting on the sofa and committing to figure out those underlying causes for whatever we were in conflict over. For instance, anger is a secondary emotion, usually rooted in fear or hurt. So for me, it would take a while before I could figure out and put words to why I was hurt and what I might be afraid of. At first, conflict took hours, at times until 2 a.m., but after a while, not only did it take less time, but it happened less frequently. Sometimes, um, things would begin to escalate, as they still do, but it only takes one of us to stop the escalation by asking 
um, for time to calm down, to ask questions, and to control the, the tone and the words being used. The third one is a commitment to seek a relationship with God over our spouse. And this ties back to the idea of drawing the circle around yourself. Um, John 15.5 tells us that apart from God, we can do nothing. And then later on, it ta- tells us to love each other. And, and I think you can draw a correlation there to say that we can't even love properly without Jesus. So the other, another thing was, is to identify your bricks. For me, they were resentment and entitlement, and they were stealthy but strong. For you, it might be hopelessness, selfishness, but whatever it is, identify it so that you can begin to take down your wall just as it was built brick by brick. Because it was built with lies, it has to be taken down with truth. Find and learn verses that combat the lie that you're believing. Have it handy and use it any time you begin dwelling on that lie again. For me, um, I spent every morning for a few months reading and rereading verses on forgiveness because my heart kept wanting to dwell on the hurt that our son was causing. The fifth thing is value our relationship with each other more than our relationship with our kids. And that sounds harsh, but the best thing we can give our kids is a healthy marriage, Um, especially when there's been conflict with one of our kids. We are a team, not against our kids, but for our kids. Um, we spend a lot of time actually saying that to our kids and helping them understand why we make the decisions we make. So over the past 18 years, God has done an amazing work in our hearts and in our family. I'm not going to tell you that it's been easy, but I promise it's been worth it. And here's proof. Jonathan is on uh, the left, and then Tatiana. Uh, he's 15. He's 15, and then Tatiana, who's 12. Kim, you can guess how old she is. Um, <laughs> David, who's 18, and then, of course, me. Thanks for letting us share. Thanks so much.